Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living podcast. Today's guest is Ronid Exilis. Ms. Exilis is a certified project management professional with over seven years of demonstrated success in the healthcare industry. Throughout her career, she has had the opportunity to manage large-scale marketing and communication projects for notable organizations such as National Black Nurses Association, Telemundo, Alzheimer's Association, and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Ms. Exilis earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Communication from Florida International University and a Master of Science degree in Health Communication from Boston University. Beyond her formal education, she maintains a professional membership with the South Florida Project Management Institute to stay connected with best practices, strategies, and trends in her field. Let's welcome our host, Mr. Enrio Longchamp, and our guest, Ms. Ronit Exilis, to the show. Hello, listeners. I would like to welcome you all to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today's guest is Ronid Exilus. Hello, Ronid. How are you? Hi, Enrio. I am doing well. Thank you for inviting me on to your podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here. What do we need to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming by. I really appreciate it. Well, let's just jump into it. So today, let's talk about project management and um, which is, this is exactly what you do. That's your field. Mm-hmm. On your LinkedIn, uh, for description, you have your name and then you have PMP. Can you elaborate on that? What is PMP? What does it stand for? And So the PMP stands for Project Management Professional. So I am a certified project manager. Um, I'm currently in the healthcare industry, but as a project manager, you can work in various industries, technology, healthcare, construction, um, just to name a few. Uh, But essentially, this certification is managed by the Project Management Institute, who manages this uh, certification for all project managers, and you follow a guide and a standard for how project management essentially should be run. Makes sense. Now, what, what are the key challenges facing project managers in the healthcare industry? So when it comes to healthcare specifically, I would say one of the biggest things, especially since the pandemic, is keeping up with new laws and regulations. So for the industry that I work in particularly, it's a managed care organization. So that means that we work with providers and members and have to make sure that the members, the the right information is being communicated to the members. Um, If the federal government makes any changes to any of the insurances or any of the guidelines, we have to make sure that that information is communicated to providers, um, making sure that we're constantly staying up to date with anything that changes. So that way, again, that communication can be out there. And if we need to change some of our processes and procedures, then that's something, again, that would be a project that we would have to work on to make sure that we get that up and going. So that way we can be in compliance with the state and make sure that our providers and our members have the latest healthcare, you know, healthcare news or healthcare uh, insurance or whatever it is. Okay, what are some of the latest changes that you want to talk about or elaborate on that took place recently? I would say one of 
the biggest things that comes to mind is telemedicine. I think telemedicine has always been around, but since the pandemic, the demand for telemedicine has really increased. So one of the things is we've had to make sure that a lot of our providers can offer services in person and also be available um, after hours to provide virtual healthcare or telemedicine for members. Uh, so that make that means that within their contracts, we have to make sure that they have that component where they can offer that to members. And if they don't offer it or choose to opt out of it, what are the consequences or what t what happens? There's not really any consequences. We probably just pay them less money. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, providers can opt out of it. We always encourage them to do it because it's a benefit for them as well. Because when you're marketing your services to the community and to members, you want to say, hey, you know, I may not be available um, when you need me to, but, you know, if you want to schedule something with me virtually, then I can meet with you virtually. So I think that appeals a lot to members. Okay. So to help me understand exactly what you do, let's say I am a new provider. I just opened my practice and I'm trying to get into your network, how would I go about it? So we would have contract negotiators contact you, um, specifically if you're in the regions that we need, if you are able to essentially ha have an, see enough members. So for example, there are some doctors, um, and we call it panels. So there are some doctors that can see up to like 500 to 1,000 members. Can you see enough members during the year? So there's a criteria that you need to meet. Um, you can reach out to us and we will get you in contact with our networking team to see if you meet that criteria that we need for all of our providers to have. And, you know, we just negotiate from there. And that negotiation, I mean, it entails the type of services that you're going to provide. If there's any support that we as a health plan can provide you, we'll also draw that up in the contract. Um, and then making sure, again, that you can meet the needs of the members in the community. Okay. Now, help me understand what is the open enrollment period and when it's closed? Why is there an en enrollment period? Why can it be throughout the year? I want to... Uh, you know, get health insurance, I could just get it. Why is it done in that way? So anytime that you have insurances that are managed by the state, um, either at a state level, local level, or a federal level, you'll have an open enrollment period. And that's kind of how we have that moment or that season set aside where the state, um, and when I say the state, I mean ACA, the Agency of Healthcare Administration in Florida, they will open up that time frame to allow us to enroll new members um, with our health plan. So again, that's not really decided by us, unfortunately. Um, it's decided by the state and they have total control over that. So once that enrollment period ends, then if you need health insurance, you need coverage, then you'll have to go like a private route or a different route where you can find another open enrollment with another insurer. Uh, currently for Florida, what is the enrollment period dates? I don't know if you recall or if you remember it at the top of your head. Oh, gosh, I think it's coming up um, in the fall sometime. So we have our op well, open enrollment, okay, recently passed. 
So open enrollment last year was from November 1st, 2022 to January 15th, 2023. So I always, I feel like it's always in the fall. So it'll probably come up again towards the later half of this year. All right. So in other words, as of right now, the new date is not posted. No, I don't see it here. And when we get those open enrollment dates, we get them as soon as the state notifies us so we haven't gotten those dates as of yet okay well as soon as you have it let me know so i can uh, post it here in the podcast and let the listeners know about it i sure will so what are the most important skills for a project manager in the health industry oh gosh i would say one of the most important skills in my experience so far is managing relationships that is very important as a project manager because in the in the realm of things you're managing the whole aspect of a project and sometimes a project may require you to have to communicate with the hr department um, IT, member services. So different parts of the organization, you may have to work with all of these areas in order to make sure your project is successful throughout its completion. And so managing relationships is really important because you want to have the right people to reach out to, to get the right information. And a lot of times, you know, I'm working with CEOs uh, who are the stakeholders, the CEOs, the COOs, um, and a lot of VPs for my projects. And these people are very busy. They have a lot on their plate. So I don't want to come in as that project manager who, you know, ask all these questions and putting more on their plate. So I try to support them as much as I can um, and provide my recommendations and really try to help manage that relationship. Because once you have a solid relationship with your stakeholders, it's going to make your project run a lot more smoothly that's the way it goes you know that's important mm -hmm. that that uh, relationship to make sure that you are answering all the questions and also you're bringing in what needs what's important for the providers as well exactly yep and I think that goes within you know any industry really I think networking and relationships are very important um, in many different areas yes now let's talk about Medicare and Medicaid. So what are the difference between those two? So when I was in grad school, and, and again, this is not even to be funny, but the easiest way to remember the difference, Medicaid is need-based and it depends on your financial situation or your medical circumstance. So for example, um, expectant mothers or someone who uh, you know, is below the poverty line. Uh, those are people who qualify for Medicaid. Medicare is for people who are 65 and over and it's funded by Social Security. So that's kind of the easiest way to remember the difference between the two. Okay. Can somebody, a person, have both of them? Yes. There are people who are in duels. Uh, that's what we call it in the healthcare industry, duels. Um, so an example of that would be someone who um, may have a disability, right? So you may not be 65, but you may have a disability, but you may qualify for a different part of Medicare. Okay. Now, Social Security. this question I'm going to ask, I'm not sure if you have the answer for us. However, what if somebody is an immigrant? In other words, somebody that just came in into the Biden program, for example, will mm -hmm. they be qualified for any of those, either the Medicare 
or the Medicaid? Yes. If you come under the Biden program and you have your paperwork in order, um, you can apply for Medicaid. Um, sometimes it may be temporary Medicaid that they grant you. And, you know, the services may be a little bit limited, but I believe that there's some type of coverage that they can provide you under Medicaid. Okay. Now, even if the person is over 65 and were to come in the Biden program, again, I'm not sure, again, if you know the answer, but will they be able to get Medicare? Medicare, I am not sure. Um, that one is a little tricky because... Yeah, I think that one I would need to do a little bit more research on and come back to you on. Okay. That's going to say the wrong thing, but I want my gut tells me no, Okay. but I will let you know. Okay, no problem. Now, let's talk about Children's Medical Services uh, Health Plan. What are some of the services that are involved for kids within the healthcare industry that kids can have? Or can okay. be covered by. Okay. So children's Medicaid, I'm sorry, medical services health plan is a Medicaid sponsored program that the Department of Health is contracted with the state um, to provide services uh, for anyone who's under 21. So you have to be eligible for Medicaid and you have to be under 21. Sometimes, you know, there are people who have like special needs and things like that and who provide, who need like ongoing care. So they also can qualify for uh, children's medical services. And the difference with this specific service versus just regular Medicaid is that Everyone who is enrolled in uh, children's medical services has a case manager assigned to them. So that means that your case manager is always calling the member, scheduling their doctor's visits. They will review their tests with them. So if they get like a, a medical test done, uh, they'll review that with the member, go over it if they have any questions, if there are any procedures that the member needs to do that they will recommend it. Um, they also provide like behavioral, behavioral services and also social services. So that's essentially how uh, the CMS plan is different uh, from just regular Medicaid. And then as far as services, so you'll get all of the services um, that Medicaid provides, um, you'll just get a little bit more uh, benefits. So for example, it's something we call um, expanded benefits. So for example, if there is a member, like a child who wants swimming lessons or needs tutoring, that's also a benefit that's provided to them under that plan, the children's medical services plan. And then, um, and then yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um, again, you just have a case manager involved. So every person under this plan has a case manager. Uh, this one, the CM, the CMS plan, does it also, do they look at incomes for the parents or as long as you, you know, you, you have a child, that child can be qualified for that program? Um, so you just really need to meet the Medicaid. Medicaid guidelines. So if the parent qualifies for Medicaid or the child qualifies for Medicaid, then uh, yes, you'll qualify for CMS. All right. Let's talk about HMO. That's a term we all hear it, but nobody know what it means or how it works. Can you uh, enlighten us on that? What is HMO? 
So HMO is essentially, it stands for Health Maintenance Organization. So it is a type of managed care plan for health insurers. So for example, it's, you go to the doctor, right? Your doctor can be under an HMO, meaning that they are part of a whole network of all of other healthcare providers that treat that treat patients who are 65 and older at a set cost. So the insurer has already has already negotiated a predetermined cost that you are going to provide certain services for these members. And that is really what an HMO is or in providers who are enrolled under an HMO. That's what they do. Provider can accept HMO Medicaid, Medicare, and also regular private insurance as well. Yeah. So HMO is just the type of network that you're in. And then the Medicaid, Medicare, um, and then like when you say private insurance, that's, you know, like a Cigna or Aetna, that's going to be um, the type of insurance that the provider accepts. So yes. Okay. Understood. Now let's say somebody is coming in their own, uh, having their own business right now they don't have health insurance. How can they go about getting their own health insurance? They are uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, that is a tough one um, because it really all depends on your financial circumstance. And again, you know, sometimes some entrepreneurs have medical conditions. Um, so health insurance is very important to have. I would recommend the biggest thing is to, um, during open enrollment period for the affordable healthcare or healthcare marketplace, that would be the first place to go to because other than that, um, it's going to be hard if you don't meet the qualifications to get Medicaid. Now, when you say hard, Based on your experience, um, a ballpark, what can you say a, a insurer will be paying a month if they were to just go right now and get a private insurance as an entrepreneur? Okay, so if it's just one person, no dependents, I mean, it could be $100 or more a month. That's just a, a guesstimate. Okay. And we are talking about a good private insurance or just like the cheapest one? Basic, getting basic, you know, preventative care <laughs> services. Um, where you're seeing the doctor once or twice a year. Um, and yeah, you'll probably have to pay co-pays or deductible for any other, um, if you need to see a specialist or, you know, God forbid, if you have to go to the emergency room, you'll probably have a co-insurance or a deductible you need to meet. Okay. Now, anything else you want to talk about or cover for the listeners to know when it comes to health insurance? In other words, what is the importance of having health insurance? I think health insurance is a basic human universal right. Everyone deserves the right to health insurance. And we do live in a country where we definitely need to do a better job of making sure that everyone is covered because I cannot tell you how many times I've met someone who may need medical assistance, but unfortunately they don't have coverage and they can't go to a doctor or if they do go to a doctor, they have to pay out of pocket. And when you go to these doctors and these specialists, you're paying so much money out of pocket and it's really unfortunate. So I think it is, you know, a basic need and a rights for everyone. If you work with a company that provides coverage, please make sure you're enrolled. Um, if you are under 26, if you're, if you can get it under your parents, that's a blessing. So 
you know, I hope parents have their kids insured under them if they have the opportunity and the means to do so. Um, but yeah, any any way or any opportunities through the healthcare um, affordable marketplace, that's another way to also get health insurance. Um, so any other ways that you may have an option to get it, go ahead and get it. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, 26. Can, can you explain why they made it 26 that uh, you can no, no longer be under your parents' plan? Yeah. So that is <laughs> the federal government. <laughs> their laws and their regulations. I don't know why 26 was the magic number. I guess they feel like, okay, you know, the child, if they went to college, they're out of college by then, they should be working and should be able to afford it. Um, but yeah, that's the cutoff time is 26. That's yeah. actually. If you're under 26, you under your parents' plan mm -hmm. and you have a job, your job offers health insurance, can you still have both? You You can waive um the insurance under your company if you want to but if you want both um it really wouldn't make sense i if if you have the option to either be under your parents or your employer offers it i would just look at the coverages and the services which one is better and go with the one that is is better final question to close that topic can somebody have regular health insurance with a company mm -hmm. uh, from their employer and also still have Medicaid? I've never really seen those instances, um, but I don't see why not. If you qualify for Medicaid, I don't see why not. And essentially it's free. So <laughs> okay. uh, I think it is possible, but I've never heard of that example, but that's a good question. Okay. Is there, do you know on top of your head, the number and to be eligible for Medicaid in terms of uh, the uh, annual income? Oh, the income qualifications. I, because I think sometimes too, they have other factors that they determine. Um, so I'm looking here, there is a report that says if you're single, the income limit is about 2700 a month 2742 so yeah it's pretty actually it's pretty low it's actually 1084 i'm sorry the number i gave you before was for nursing home medicaid um so if you're a single person and you apply for regular medicaid you cannot make more than 1084 a month and then your assets cannot be more than 5000 overall total and if you're married Together, you cannot make $1,460 a month together. Yep, that was a good question. <laughs> Thank you for the answer. Of course, of course. All right, so now let's jump into the fun part. As you know, this podcast is called Are You Really Living? <laughs> uh, so my first question in terms of the fun part to you is, if you could have any or superpower, what would it be? If I was able to have a superpower, I think it would be the ability to end chronic illnesses and diseases because, you know, as I'm getting older, I've had so many close personal um, interactions and connections with people who, you know, have cancer or have a chronic illness like diabetes, high blood pressure, and, you know, that cause other things. So if, if I had the opportunity, I would just eliminate all of those things because they're horrible. <laughs> there is no other words to, to describe those, those diseases. It's just that they're, they're horrible and it's 
just the worst thing ever. Okay. Now, with that being said, what would be your superhero name? Would it be Dr. Roro? Oh, a superhero name? Um, Roro to the rescue? I don't know. We'll keep it with the R. <laughs> <laughs> We've traveled before, you and I, and I know yeah. you like to travel. If you could visit any place in the world, where would it be right now? Oh, right now? Hmm. I would say Seychelles in Africa. I, I, I really need to go to the motherland. Yes, that is on my bucket list. I've been trying to go for a couple of years and it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen soon. Maybe we should go together. We should probably plan it. We should. We should. Because we since our last trip, we haven't had a chance to plan anything. Uh, COVID hit and pretty much derailed everything. So okay. let's definitely put that one on the, on, on the list and then we'll we'll plan it maybe in the next year or so. Yeah, we, for we should sure. definitely do it. Especially, I think, you know, um, one of the first places is Ghana um, yeah. to, to there to visit the roots. Um, and then, yeah, any other countries in Africa, for sure. Yeah. And you, you remember you rec you recommended me uh, Aruba and I went. It was I had a best time. Oh, yes, right? <laughs> yeah, I had a best time in Aruba. It was great. Yes. And so uh, what would you bring if you could take just one item with you to a deserted island? Okay, I know this is going to sound cliche, but really my phone. I mean, <laughs> really, you really, that's really all you need. I mean, granted, yeah, I won't have a charger for the phone, but maybe there'll be solar, I don't know, solar panels or something on the deserted island. Okay, all right, all right. That's, that's the way to go. I agree with you on that. Uh, me, what would I take with me on a deserted island? Thing one item that I really need. I really don't can't think of anything right now. So you don't need anything. I think you can just be on a deserted island and survive. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would. I probably would. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I need to be like that one day. But yeah, yeah. Needs to communicate. <laughs> Perfect. If anybody would like to contact you. Uh, like I said, a provider that's just opening their practice and looking for to, you know, uh, to partner up with your organization. How can uh, people reach out to you? Do you have social media handle or website or how can they reach out to you? So I am on social media. I do need to get better with it. Um, but LinkedIn probably is the go to um, for any of those type of questions work related. Um, so you can just find me by my first and my last name on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, I would, yeah, and I would say that's the primary place. Perfect. With that being said, I would like to thank you for stopping by Are You Really Living podcast, and I look forward to yeah. talking to you soon. You too. Likewise. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Are You Really Living podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. And most importantly, keep living your best life. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.